0: You went out with Voight Mayweather yesterday in London. What did you do? I don't know. What are you talking about? I didn't go. I was at home. you you trying to bait me up a while. Broke my back. What do you mean by that? Your back is broken. What, a, a vertebrae or, or a, uh, what portion? Spinal. I said, I said, Javate's a great fighter. He's fighting 130 pounds. <laughs> no. Ahead, he said you'll yeah. beat my what? You'll beat my what? He's a great fighter. Fight 130. I think he'll beat Lamachico. I man, came at the time. Oh, at the you I'm know, nigga, I'm just to are you 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 starting to say all these big words, I'm t- starting to take it as disrespect. So what we love about boxing, above all else, is it gives you before and after moments. Now, I know people say, oh, he's about to be an aftertimer. No, not necessarily. It gives you before and after moments. And what I mean by that is a fight can be even. So let's take Frosch versus Groves, one and two. You know, George was ahead. First fight, he gets stopped. Second fight, he gets stopped. All history will remember is George Groves got stopped against Carl Frosch. And now we just go, George was never as good as Carl. Which is painfully not true, because round after round, across both fights, we saw that George is every bit the equal of Carl Froch. As two fighting men, they are the equal of each other. But it was two moments, two instants, less than half a second each, that came to define those two men's careers as fighting men. And it's a reminder that they're never as bad as you think they are, they're never as good as you think they are. And sometimes you've got to apply that, that degree of moderation to what you see in the ring. So there'll be a lot of people saying Luke Campbell was never that good. He always thought he was overrated. What had he really done? And they will tell you that Ryan Garcia is the truth. He's a real deal. A star is born and all this sort of stuff, right? We, we quickly swing to the extremes on either side without really looking at it going, hmm, I don't think it's that much between the guys. Across the top ten in any division, I don't think it's that great. But boxing is punctuated by such powerful moments of savagery, and in some instances, that that moment is so definitive. So Frosch Groves too, that knockout was so definitive that we ascribe greater value to it historically than in the fight. Because ultimately, whether George had been counted out from a shot to the body or a shot to the head is irrelevant. A loss is a loss. But in the public's eyes, we saw what we saw, and it was spectacular. Now, the reason I say this is Luke Campbell's a good boxer. Luke Campbell is a good boxer. He was a good amateur, an experienced amateur, a pretty long career as an amateur. And then he managed to transition that into being a pro, which not many people did. Tom Stalker definitely didn't manage to do that. A lot of Cubans never managed to do that. Mike Perez never managed to do that. Rigging kind of struggled. Orlandia Solis struggled. A lot of guys struggle. Even the kid that beat Shakur Stevenson, uh, Robesley Ramirez, he struggled. But Campbell didn't struggle. He stuck to his guns. He stuck to what worked for him and he did it. And he got to a pretty good level. Campbell, if someone said Gee, he's a top 10 lightweight, you wouldn't argue with that. So then I look at this fight and I say, it was punctuated, not even by, just by one, one lack of, uh, not even lack, one moment of judgment, that just didn't happen. He, he lapsed. He Luke Campbell wasn't necessarily switched on, and Ryan Garcia was. And that's what defined it. Because if those two guys fought, it's a 6-4 or a 7-3 to Garcia Myers. I think Campbell is a lot better than people will give him credit for after the fight. And I think Garcia still has a fair bit to prove. Which is strange, seeing as I'm saying Luke Campbell's quite good. But I think the difference is Luke Campbell has a very tight lane in which he operates. And anything outside of that lane, he tends to fall apart. Whereas you can fight other guys like a Linares or a Lomachenko that have other ways to do things. You can fight a guy like Javante Davis who has other ways to do things. And that might cause Ryan Garcia more problems. Even if their core style itself may not be as good as Luke Campbell's their variety can cause you all kinds of problems. So as I'm tracking the build-up, my heart's telling me Campbell, de- you know, Campbell deserves a run at a world title. He deserves to, to have this final run of his career. My head's telling me this Garcia kid's got something about him where he's made a lot of things look easy that weren't supposed to look easy. And you have to respect that. Someone so young doing it easily like this You have to respect it. The same way we did when Devin Haney was coming up and he had that little bit of a buzz. But the big difference between the two is this. Garcia seems to stop them more decisively than Haney does. And as boxing fans, that's what we like. That doesn't necessarily mean that Garcia is better than Haney. He just gives us boxing fans what we want a lot more often. But one of the things that did sadden me in the build-up was a lot of people were urging Luke to be conservative against the younger, less experienced Ryan Garcia, which I never understand. Like, when you're, when you're facing someone and the odds are seemingly stacked against you, sometimes you almost have to step outside of who you naturally are. And sometimes you've got to be that lion in the beginning of a fight. And I was surprised that no one was really talking tactically in those terms because Ryan had never shown us to be a defensive genius, nor had he ever shown us that he has an amazing chin. In fact, his chin was always there to be hit. And so why the supposed experts weren't talking about that? And they, they did what st- British pundits and commentators do generally, get them into the second half of the fight. And they genuinely believe that these professional athletes from other countries aren't as fit as Brits, which I don't understand. Like, we're not notorious for stamina based sports like Mo Farah. OK, but Mo Farah wasn't born here. Like, generally, British boxers don't have amazing stamina. It's not, it's not, I'm not talking out of turn here. Their stamina is par for the course for everyone else involved in boxing who gets up and goes running. We don't have altitude here. They do in America. And it's this ignorance. And boxing fans buy into this. Oh, because Macklin said it. It must have some credibility to it. Until you stop and go, well, hold on. It, what do you mean? These American professionals aren't fit. Why aren't they fit? This guy's from California. It's not that far from Texas. Like Campbell's coming to America. Is he going to be fit enough? Can he cope with the changing conditions? No one ever talks about that because it's that that, the idea that British boxers are superior in stamina because we are definitely not superior in skills or experience or education. So they're talking in these terms, and my instincts are Luke Campbell's a South Pole. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He's got all the experience. He can have a couple of rounds of just sticking it on Ryan Garcia, put a forearm in his face, you know, hit him in the forearms, hit him in the arms, hit him in the breastbone. Make it really uncomfortable for that kid and make him earn that victory. Don't try and box him. Don't try and get into a shootout with this guy. Why? He's got youth, energy, reflex. He's got all of those tools over you that you once had over other people, Luke Campbell. And yet that's what they try to do. Turn it into some kind of boxing match as if the power wasn't going to catch up at some point. I think that was a major, major tactical error. Because what it did is it gave Ryan Garcia someone who was on the back foot, who was on the retreat. And the thing is you don't burn a lot of energy when you're chasing someone. You burn more energy going backwards. And the Reynosos kept it steady. you know. In that first round, they kept it steady. Okay, mate, you're outlanding him. And You need to remember, in that first round, Garcia just gave up the dominant foot position. He said, okay, Luke, you put your right foot outside my left foot. I dare you to throw that backhand. I dare you to throw your straight left at me. So in that first round, he did that. He goes, I I dare you. And Luke wasn't. And so that kind of gave Garcia this false sense of confidence of actually, maybe this guy's a bit scared to be in the ring with me. And if you go back to the early part of that second round, you can see Garcia's not really taking it seriously because at that point, you're looking for your guy to impose himself, whether it's Campbell, whether it's Garcia. In that second round, impose yourself. you know, Flex your muscles. Let them know who you are. And Garcia didn't do that. And maybe the openings he needed weren't there. I don't know. Maybe Campbell was a little bit more defensively responsible than, than maybe we're going to give him credit for. Maybe. But he never imposed himself. So I'm around a bit into this fight and I'm watching it. I'm like, God, Garcia holds his chin really, really high. And not only that, he just goes back and forth in straight lines. I'm thinking, Luke Campbell must know this. Luke Campbell must know he can land that straight left at will. And I saw about seven or eight clear openings in the first round in a bit where he could do that. I'm thinking... Why doesn't he do it? Then boom, he drops Ryan Garcia. Not a heavy knockdown, but it's one of those knockdowns where when you get hit and your chin's in the air, there is a balance issue. Um, you're probably just not set up to absorb the shot and you go down. And that's not necessarily like, oh my God, his legs were all over the place. They weren't, he was fine. And I think he was just more embarrassed that he'd been dropped you know, across the world and people watching him get dropped. Now that's the point. At that moment there, that's where the fight changes. So if you're on the outside, if you're on that corner watching and you've just dropped Ryan Garcia, your first instinct should be now go and dominate him because you've got those 30 to 40 seconds where he's embarrassed and he's confused and he's thinking, what do I need to do? And he may come out swinging even harder. The last thing you want to do is give him the same look you gave him before you dropped him. And that's what Campbell did. Stayed a little too patient. Didn't impose himself. No forearms in the face. You know I mean, not roughing him up. Not just hitting him any and everywhere. Letting him know, my friend, now you're in a fight. Are you ready for this? But deep down, I don't think Campbell had trained to be that sort of guy. I don't think he had. and I don't, I'm trying to think of many British boxers. At that level, who could have done that? We don't teach that. So at the point that Garcia gets dropped, we discover something. And I'm going to use the benefit of hindsight here to say this. We discovered that Ryan Garcia is a dog. And Luke Campbell is not a dog at all in a fight. Because Ryan Garcia came out and went, nah. Whatever it takes now, I've got to win this fight. Whatever it takes. I've got to walk him down, I'll walk him down. If I've got to miss a few to land a few, whatever. I need to show these people I'm the dog in the fight. Campbell was never meant to let him do that. But like I said, it's a lack of education. British boxers don't have a clue. British trainers don't know how to say you need to be that dog in the fight. We laugh. We laugh when we say, oh, Tunde says lions in the camp. But I kind of get what that means. And people say, "Ah, oh, it's tactical naivety. Let's be brutally honest, right? You've had 12 weeks in camp to be tactical. You had 12 weeks in camp to program your fights and get them ready for the night. Like, you're not going to give them a bloody essay on what they need to do. Lions in the camp, I'm not saying that should be applied in every situation. But something that says you need to go and be the dog in there. You need to go and be the savage in there. That's what was needed last night. And it didn't come. And Luke didn't press on his advantage. He didn't create the the scorecard pressure on Garcia that would have forced Garcia to take more risks and make more mistakes and keep that chin in the air for another knockdown. Luke took his foot off the accelerator and handed the initiative back to Ryan Garcia. This has all happened in like two and a quarter rounds. So in the third round, I'm watching the fight and I'm watching, there's a pattern emerging. Ryan Garcia is not really stepping out of what I call channel one. So channel one is the space between the shoulders of your opponent, right? You just stay right in the middle. And Ryan was okay being there. Normally, like with young fighters especially, you want to see them kind of step out, work on either side of that channel, bring shots over, because then you're in a more advantageous position and you're managing your risk. But he was just content to stay in the middle and and just battle it out with Luke Campbell. But one of the things I found interesting, I remember making a note of this in the third round, Campbell just leaves the body open. I was looking going, why isn't Ryan Garcia going for it? And I was watching the fight and I'm like, okay, he's still scoring to the head. He's still getting his shots in. But I kept looking going, he could literally just touch the top of Campbell's head and go to the body anytime he wants. And it's there. And I don't think Campbell would have an answer to it. And so I made those notes and I was like, let's see how this develops. Now, Now in my head, I'm thinking, okay. At some point, he's going to have to go for that. I don't know when, but he's going to have to go for that because otherwise he's leaving money on the table. So the fight now starts to follow a a familiar pattern. Campbell on the retreat, Garcia, you know, starting to impose himself, starting to realize actually that knockdown, you know, I can box my way back into this. It, It had mild shades of Ward Kovalev won where Sergei couldn't impose himself after that second round. And Ward was able to impose himself psychologically. And then latterly he was also able to impose himself physically on Kovalev. But coming back to the fight, the fight's still compelling because Campbell's doing these little things like keeping his lead hand above Garcia's so Garcia can't get a jab off. You know, Campbell's nullified that. What he's done is, Campbell's approach seemingly, from what I can see, was I'm going to have the the high lead hand so you can't jab me. And then, I'm going to guard up, so I'm going to have literally have my fingers on my temples, but shoot my elbows forward, because normally you have your elbows by your ribs and your fingers by your temples, but he shot his, his elbows out, and that stopped the left hook, that would stop all forms of check hook. so he had nullified what he thought the danger punches were, so clearly that's what they'd prepared for, these are the danger punches that are going to come, just make sure you're protected against them, and seemingly no one had thought, what about the left hook to the body? That seems to have been massively overlooked. Now, when someone's called Garcia, my assumption is they at least have a left hook to the body. You know, that kind of Latin American slash American Latino culture is less about the jab, more about the left hook and the left uppercut. So when I saw people tweeting, Garcia doesn't use his jab much. No, neither did Marquez, neither did Barrera, neither did Morales. They Like the Latin American culture is more to focus on the bent arm shots. So that that left uppercut, that left hook, that right uppercut, that right hook is what they focus on. And then they become really creative in how they position themselves. So the jab is literally just there for them to get in position. They're never going to break you down with a jab. That's something that we talk about in Britain, break him down with a jab. And it, it has merit. But I think in reality, you need a lot more than that. And so when people talk about Garcia can't jab, he's not here to jab. So I still wonder why on that whiteboard that I know they have at McGuigan Base Camp, why they didn't just have need to nullify the left hook to the body because they did nothing to nullify that. As much as Campbell tried to hold that dominant foot position, he he never felt that he was protecting his ribs at any point. And then if you go back to what I was talking about in the summer, and I know guys like Umar Sadiq will now concur with me. I said, when you've been inactive for a long time, you're more vulnerable to body shots than you're ever vulnerable to headshots. Headshots are are simply a function of physics. Like, can your can your neck muscles take it? Can it Can your neck transfer the force down through the body? That's not that hard. A body shot is literally, can you coordinate all the muscles and the structures in your torso to work in sync to absorb that shot? That's a skill. You're not born with it. You learn to do it over time. And the longer you spend out the ring, the more time you need to just relearn that process. I know people say Terry talks out of his backside. Go and look back in 2020, how many people were getting dropped and stopped with body shots and then go and compare it with the rest of the years. It was disproportionate this year because a lot of guys got caught cold and they hadn't put the work in to absorb body shots. Now you're talking. Now you're talking about world-class trainers, and these world-class trainers hadn't factored this in into their preparation. Body shots are where you're most vulnerable. We need to prepare for that. When you look outside at someone who's trained fighters, and you look into the ring, and you go, "I really wish I told my guy to go for for the opponent," you feel like this, and. I had that moment in in the fifth in the fifth round when you started to see Garcia impose himself and start to really you know let his nuts hang. And you started to really see him say, "Right, I think I've got this fight." And you just and there were times in the fight where he was just playing with Luke Campbell, and that's when you started to feel like I don't think this is taking that much out of Ryan Garcia. So round five, I saw elements of that. Round six, definitely. And if you remember Campbell spun around was hanging on the ropes by the end of that round. And you thought, I don't think you want to be in there anymore. So at that point there, I start to really watch the fight. I'm like, where is Luke Campbell psychologically? What's happening in the corner? And none of it seemed to give me confidence that this would go the distance. That's not to say that I saw the knockout coming because when it came, whoo! that was a peach of a shot. That was a hell of a shot. That's, they're the kind of things you do, and when you hit the bag like that, you get told off for having your chin in the air and just leaping in like that. You do, because theoretically, you should be able to counter someone coming in like that. That shouldn't be that hard. So how did that happen? How, how did an Olympic gold medalist get stopped by a 22-year-old leaping in like that? A 22-year-old, remember, Luke Campbell was what? 25 when he won his Olympic gold medal? 25. 24, 25, about that age. So now that tells you how young Ryan Garcia is. So how was that able to happen? Now, ordinarily, I just refer to the guy that I look to for boxing knowledge, Chris Lloyd, the the man who seemingly did everything in boxing, the man who introduced Angel Fernandez to Joshua, introduced Angel Fernandez to Isaac Chamberlain, the man who seemingly introduced boxing gloves into bouts, the man who seemingly sold every ticket for Joshua Klitschko. I mean, the man who predicted Bitcoin would get past $20,000. Chris Lloyd is a man who knows everything. Well, he's not really. He's just one of these sad guys who's still trying to steal a living out of boxing probably still has a star now profile. We seem to have a lot of failed actors and TV presenters in our ranks in boxing. So he's probably, I mean, like Tebbit, he's probably still got his star now profile available for voice work, work, (laughs) handwork, whatever. Basically, so he, he tweets something, which I found utterly ridiculous. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase. I can't read it. It says along the lines of, you know, Canela faints low, goes high. Ryan Garcia fainted high and went low. And it sounds plausible if you if you have two brain cells, right? And nothing more rattling around in your head. You're like, oh yeah, I can see that, I can see that. But I went back and watched it just to go, no, 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 no. I didn't see any of that. So I went back and I watched I watched the sequence and I watched it frame literally watched it frame by frame. And He didn't do anything. All he did is what I mentioned earlier in the episode. He just left the body alone. So he's built up this psychology in the fight. He's built up this rhythm, this expectation in Luke Campbell that the body shots aren't coming. Ryan Garcia is simply a headhunter. He's done that. It's, uh, as a friend of mine said, the art of good burglary is knowing that you don't do it when you discover it. You don't exploit the weakness when you discover it. And to illustrate the point, it's like this. If you leave your patio door unlocked, and I know this, I don't need to break it on the first day. I don't need to break it on the 20th day. Yeah, because all of this time you're building confidence that either nobody knows or no one's going to do anything about it. So I can bide my time and I'll let you buy the Mercedes S63 AMG and I'll let you buy the 85-inch TV. I will let you do all of this stuff. And then when I'm ready, I'll come in, open that patio door, take what I need and I'm gone. And you'll wake up the next day going, how the hell did that happen? And that's what Ryan Garcia did. He stayed in that central channel, stayed there, parked himself there and said, "Right, we'll have a fight here. I'm going to try and take you out to the head. Campbell said, nah, not today. We know what you're going to do. We're prepared for that. So Garcia's like, I'm going to keep doing it because you're going to give me some openings. I'm going to keep scoring points. Okay, cool. So that's the pattern throughout the fight. If you watch back, rounds five and six, Campbell starts to slow down, especially in round six, and he looks demoralized. Round six is when Campbell finally realizes he's going to have to dog this out. Round six is when he realizes he's going to have to dog this out to the end when he should have been that dog from round two onwards. So he's just wasted four rounds, come to the same realisation most boxing fans knew. Now it puts him in a very dangerous position because his tank's not as full as it was in the second round. So can you still be, you know, cool hand Luke? Can you still be the the jumping in and out? Can you still be that guy? Is your brain still clear enough? Are your reflexes still sharp enough that you can manage the distance where you've been doing it before? And you start to think, I don't think he can. And in contrast, Ryan Garcia is now up for the fight. He's like, okay, sense is cleared. I've re-established my physical dominance here. Cool. Let's have some fun. And that's what he did. Second half of the fight, mate, I'm ready. Are you? So if you break down the sequence in very simple terms, Campbell retreats. Garcia comes forward, anchors his feet down, uses the uses the ring as a spring. Shoots forward. At the instant that Ryan Garcia shoots forward, Campbell anchors his feet down, puts his hands up. Exposing the rib cage. And there goes Garcia. Boom. No feint was required. And the reason no feint was required is Ryan Garcia hadn't really used the jab. And secondly, more importantly, it would have been a waste of time and energy to faint to the head when the body was always there. He knew he just had to get there. That's all he had to do. So that final sequence is really interesting because when you go back and watch it, feel free to do this, right? In the seventh round, they start to mirror each other. You know? Garcia and Campbell have identical guards and now by this point in the fight Ryan realizes he might have to dog it out till the end so Ryan's now got his chin tucked in he's using the high guard when he needs to when he's in mid-range or closer, he's using the high guard like Luke Campbell was but he's using it to stalk Campbell Campbell's using it as a as a means of fixing Garcia before he can retreat and that sets the tone for what happens when uh, when Luke Campbell gets dropped that's what sets the tone So the sequence is, they're messing around in the ring, exchanging shots. They get tangled up. Campbell throws the right hook to the body. Yeah? He throws the right hook to the body. Garcia absorbs it, but it gives Campbell time to escape. Garcia resets himself, comes back in. Doesn't even care about the dominant position. And what I like about Garcia is he breaks all the rules. So he upsets his balance by leaning forward and throwing that hook. You know, you're normally told, let your feet get you in position and let the shot go. He didn't even bother with that. He let the shot go. Now, what does Campbell do in this instant? Campbell anchors down but slides his back leg backwards to get himself a firmer base and to get himself down. But he didn't retreat. Had he used his back leg to, I mean, had he slid his back leg out to retreat, that punch would have probably just gone past. He would have been fine. Or if he had gone forward on his right foot and done the same thing, it was literally the fact that the leg moved and the body didn't, that did for him. It wasn't an elaborate setup. It wasn't a faint this. It wasn't a faint that. It can't have been because there wasn't enough time to set anything up because they just come out of quite a messy exchange. So even if Ryan Garcia says, yeah, I fainted this. And people say, oh, he done him with the eyes. Rubbish doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in an experienced ring where you've seen everything. You're not going to get done with the eyes. What really happened is Garcia went for it and just had a go. And Campbell just did the wrong thing defensively. It's like rock, paper, scissors. Sometimes, you know, in this instance, Garcia was the scissors and Campbell was the paper. That's what happened. In any other situation, Garcia might have been the stone and Campbell might have been the paper. It was just one of those things where someone did the right thing at the right time, someone did the wrong thing at the wrong time. That was it. Yeah, it happens in boxing. That wasn't part of an elaborate plan. Now, I do think they'd planned to go to the body. Of course they had. You know, it's the Reynoso camp. But I don't think there was this plan that said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to faint him with the eyes and then boom that left hook. Because that was so close to missing. Had Campbell just rocked back, that would have missed. Had he leant in forward and shut the distance down, that would have missed. It's fine margins, and you can't you can't predict those you just can't, and so Campbell gets hit with one of those oh shit punches, which is what they're generally called because once you see it coming and you see where it's going to land, your instincts are just to go, Ah shit, and then it connects now, could Campbell have run back to the ropes and hung on i don't I don't know what Luke could have done, he's experienced, he's more experienced than I am, he's more experienced than anyone listening on on their iPods or whatnot, I don't know he did what he thought was best and he gave Ryan the win but you know let's not make the mistake of believing Luke Campbell was outclassed Luke Campbell wasn't outclassed Luke Campbell lost that fight by all means but he wasn't outclassed he just faced a kid in Ryan Garcia who's more boxing literate than he is and I mean that by saying look at how Ryan approached the first couple of rounds look at how he approached the last couple of rounds he made changes, he made adjustments. When he wanted to really stalk Luke Campbell, it was a different shot selection. He was more confident booming the right hand down the middle after a while, once he got his timing and his rhythm in. Luke Luke was, Luke was just, I mean you, you mean, you get what you get with Luke Campbell. And it goes back to what I said before about British trainers. I'm a big fan of Shane McGuigan, got a lot of time for Shane. And one of the things I've always thought that makes Shane unique in British trainers is he knows how to iron out your, your, your weaknesses and your mistakes. He, he trims those out immediately. Like he, knows, he knows how to trim the fat off. And I think this fight was probably much like the Frampton Santa Cruz one. It didn't need risk management. It needed someone who could go after the kid. Just like I thought Frampton should have really gone after Leo Santa Cruz and tried to put a dent in him properly. And we're yet to see that from Shane. And that doesn't mean he's a bad trainer. He's a a trainer who's evolving and he's learning. And I think this Campbell fight will be another step towards that journey of education and enlightenment. But these are the issues we have in British boxing. We don't have the knowledge base that would enable us to produce guys like Ryan Garcia. We cannot produce guys like Ryan Garcia. And if we produced a guy like Ryan Garcia, he'd never get signed. Because what would they call him? Nah, he's an Instagram boxer. Isn't that what Danny Connor called him? YouTuber? But look at what he's just done. And that's the British boxing doesn't respect anyone that's not from either East London or East London and whose granddad wasn't in the war. They don't respect you. And they definitely don't respect you if you've got a personality, if you've got something to say. They don't. And I don't know why. Because when you get famous, they, then get, they get annoyed that you don't have a personality. Oh, go on, put yourself out there, son. Go on, put yourself out there. So British boxing's win a lot of trouble because Luke Campbell probably demolishes most lightweights and lightweight weights in this country. And Ryan Garcia's just, I mean, put him, put him away at 22 years old or 23 years old. The cupboard's banned British boxing. I, I don't want to hear this, oh, uh, we've got Joe Cordina. I haven't seen Joe Cordina for, what, a year? Over a year? Josh Kelly. We haven't seen Josh Kelly in 2020. And to be fair, if he beats Evanesian, fair play. But I don't see how he beats Evanesian. I don't. I think Evanesian has more in his locker. So I, 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 I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he'd win against Evanesian. Then we look at all these other guys like Fowler and Boatsy. We're not seeing the, the Ryan Garcia levels of experience and expertise. And, you know, we need to see that pretty damn quick. They've all been pro for about the same amount of time. I think Ryan turned pro at 18 once he didn't make the Olympic squad. So what's everyone's excuse? He's put himself out there. No one else has. And now he's got that opportunity. Now he's in the big leagues where where he's able to say, I can fight Tank, although I think that's a nightmare fight for him because Javante Davis will do everything that Campbell didn't. And so I think Ryan Garcia would find out more about himself in that fight. I think the Devin Haney fight, I think Garcia's got the edge because Haney hasn't looked that impressive for a number of years now. And he hasn't had his career-defining fight yet. We're waiting for that. He keeps calling out people he doesn't deserve. Instead of fighting someone that he should he should be able to fight a guy like Robert Easter Jr. And show us if he's, if he's got the goods at that level. But he's not calling those guys out. Because like everyone else, he's looking to cash out. And then you've got Teofimo Lopez, who I think everyone should stay away from. Because he's the realest of the real deals in that group. And he's proven it. So Ryan Garcia's in that category. But De La Hoya's already playing the he's already playing that silly game. And th- here's my frustration already. He's playing the little childish games of saying Ryan Garcia doesn't need these guys. They need Ryan Garcia. No, I don't think they do. Teofimo Lopez pretty much has all the belts. He doesn't need anybody. So how are you gonna. How are you going to get a title shot if you don't talk to him? Now, it's it's ridiculous. But I did enjoy the fact that Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins literally looked like they'd just come back from a brothel. Like, just came back late, only just caught the knockout, and they were just happy, man. And De La Hoya looked at Hopkins like, have I got any coke in my nostrils? And I think B-Hop was like, "Nah, no, no, no. But he ain't got a mask on. So <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's It was an enjoyable night. Um, I'm not a sold on the zone setup. I think it's a bit rinky dink, it's it feels cheap, it feels tacky. It feels like it's a digital stream. Like you know the old school like Netscape and it was just pixelating and it was buffering and it was doing all the things it shouldn't be doing. And I wonder if they have capacity issues when it comes to stuff like this and they just can't service the demand. But it didn't it it, the coverage didn't impress me. Um I felt it was overblown. I felt they had too many people. There too many people we didn't even know. I was surprised Chris Lloyd wasn't there trying to beg for work, you know, handing out um, PDFs of his Star Now profile. Embarrassing. There's just too many people. And it made me grateful for what we have with Sky, because at least with Sky, it's relatable to us. That American stuff just felt horrible. I, I don't think the zone will work in the UK. I don't. I, if I was them, I'd just say, look, just give it to Sky, or I'd buy up the Sky operation. Because they just felt. Completely unfamiliar to to myself and a lot of people, but now look there's just a quick summary. I thought I'd just get this out today and then I can go off and do some exercise and loosen up because I'm in an absolute state. but as always, thanks to everyone for for the engagement and the conversations and I you know I do really appreciate it you know we've managed to to aggregate a good bunch of human beings here, and I think we've we've cast out the trolls and the the malcontents. You know I mean, and they can go and hang out with Chris Lloyd, I guess. All right, guys, take care and have a great day. Bye.